listening to the Washington Weekly Review. I'm the Southeast Iowa Union's Kaylin McCain. It's the week of August 6, 2022. Our local stories this week feature a film festival, a solar project, and Washington for Justice. But first, the big picture. Iowa state and local officials are working on a drought mitigation plan. Stakeholders held a virtual meeting Wednesday morning to brainstorm their options. Tim Hall, Hydrology Resources Coordinator for the Iowa DNR, said meetings like this one ensured local input. We as state agency members and scientists and planners and policymakers, we we oftentimes, uh, I think, think we know more about local impacts than we perhaps sometimes do. So we want to hear from you about uh, what makes sense for the state of Iowa. We want to be able to prepare for it and respond to drought conditions. What we're doing today is not a box check-in exercise. Nobody came to the three agencies and said, hey, you have to do a drought plan, and as part of that drought plan, we need to have stakeholder input sessions. So we're not holding these just so we can report back later and say, yep, we we had stakeholder input meetings. Uh, We're holding these because we really do want to know what you have to say about the issue so that we can use that to guide the development of the plan. The meeting was the fourth and final held by the state. Hall said officials hoped to have a plan drafted by October. So we have a lot of droughts that occur on a regular basis. I think the state has responded fairly well to those events, but that doesn't mean we can't be better prepared to respond in a more effective way uh, before, during, and after a drought. What we're really trying to do is get a lot of these really great ideas and concepts and steps down on paper so that we're not making it up as we go. We don't want to find ourselves in the middle of a drought and then have to pull, figure out which people to pull together and then what do we need to do. Doing that on the fly is not uh, particularly effective. State officials expect droughts to get worse in the near future. Department of Agriculture climatologist Justin Glisson said rising temperatures from year to year were cause for concern. Given that a warmer atmosphere holds more water vapor, it takes more water vapor loading to produce a meteorological process to actually make rain or precipitation. The trend, the disturbing trend that I've that we've seen across the state is in July. So July is we're getting into the teeth of the growing season, but also the warmest time of the year. We've actually seen anywhere from a 10 to 15 percent decrease in the amount of rainfall that we see across the state. There are different ways to think about vulnerability when it comes to weather and climate events. Does the state have a drought preparedness plan? That that factors uh, very much into our very high vulnerability index and hence why this drought plan and why your input is so important. At the local level, drought response will be unusual. Washington County Emergency Management Coordinator Marissa Risen said droughts would be unusual problems. Unlike fires or severe weather, drought damage doesn't happen overnight, but the effects are no less concerning. The response to it isn't, you know, anything emergent. It's just kind of a a slow trickle of things progressively getting worse, and we do what we can with what we can find. I think a big part of it is is really defining that trigger point of when when are we officially in you know a bad place or a place that's gonna get worse. Just kind of have that that point where we have our call to action. That's the big picture. We'll be back with the local news after this. 
Todd Hahn Construction is an award-winning custom home builder with a 28-year history in the greater Iowa City area. Hahn's goal is to build you the finest quality custom home while providing you with a positive experience along the way. It's one of the many reasons they've been named the Iowa City Area Home Builder of the Year time and time again. A custom home is more than just a house. It's the culmination of a dream and years of hard work. Todd Hahn Construction makes that dream come true by always putting you, the customer, first. For more information, go to ToddHahnConstruction.com. That's T-O-D-D-H-A-H-N Construction.com. Ainsworth hosted a film festival last weekend, showing only works produced before 1908. It was the annual event's 25th year. Mike Zaws is a local historian who restored the historical printing collection. He emceed the affair, as he has every year, but last weekend's show featured something special. The festival included audio records not heard since the 1890s. While they've always been in the printing collection, Zaws refused to play them until they were digitized days prior, for fear of damaging the records. This is wax, and it's from the 1890s. And the printing collection has 23 of them. And they had labels that said what was on them. I never wanted to touch a needle to it. What does wax do in 120 years? You know, a needle is going to be strong. We worked with a man named Burbank, California. And he said he could get the sound off of this. So, you will be the first victims <laughs> to hear some of that sound a little later tonight. For many of the guests, Zaws himself was the main attraction. The former history teacher has a knack for working the crowd, according to Diana Langrek, a St. Lucas resident who came to town for the event. A massive solar energy project is in the works north of Ainsworth. At 2,000 acres and an estimated 200 megawatt output, the Goldfinch Solar Project is the work of two companies, Conifer Power and Bechtel Corporation. Conifer Power Vice President of Development Tom Swarczewski said the plant would begin commercial operations in 2025. The facility will lease out flat stretches of land currently used for row crops. We really think that this represents uh, the, the best possible circumstance for both uh, the project company uh, and for our landowners. Uh, we are not purchasing the ground, uh, so it remains uh, in you know family ownership and, and long-term family control. We're simply renting the ground, uh, certainly for a long period of time. And you know through that lease, we negotiated with our landowners all of the rights necessary to uh, you know to develop, build, own, and operate the uh, the solar facility. So when the, so the, the need for the solar facility uh, is over, um, they'll still own the property or the, nec you know, the next generations of, of their family will, will continue to own that property. And uh, certainly it's possible uh, that they can put that back into a uh, you know, row crop uh, agricultural use. 
The project has several hurdles to clear before then. Developers will need to get approval from the Iowa Utilities Board and find a power company to buy the energy. If all goes according to plan, Sporczewski said it would power 30,000 homes and the local economy. You know, th this project is going to pay uh, millions of dollars in, in additional rent to our host landowners. Uh, it's going to create, you know, hundreds of construction jobs, millions of dollars in, in construction activity locally, uh, you know, during construction. And really, uh, you know, solar projects uh, are really an advertisement for communities that they have a leg up um, to attract other businesses because, you know, those businesses know that renewable energy projects uh, represent a diversified tax base, uh, relatively speaking, a, a stronger local economy. And a, um, and a and really a pro-business attitude. Not everyone is so optimistic. Sarah Alden, a spokesperson for advocacy group Iowa for Responsible Solar, said utility-scale solar was a bad use of Iowa's land. We don't believe that uh, responsible solar should be placed on Iowa farm fields. You know, Iowa is blessed with uh, arable lands. There are many, many, many places in the world where you cannot grow food. That is, that is who Iowa is. We are um, a farming community and culture. Corn can be found in over 4,000 uh, products in your day-to-day -day life. So regardless of whether or not you use specific products, corn is a part of everyone's life. And I say that because it is a resourceful product and it can be used for fuel or for, for manufacturing or, or whatever people are using it for. It has more than one purpose. Whereas if you're covering these farm fields with solar panels, that's it. You are sacrificing the productivity and the quality and the sheer gift of agricultural soils, these arable soils that are not found everywhere on the planet. And you are, you're, you're missing opportunity. Advocacy group Washington for Justice has opted against filing as a 501c3 organization. The move would have made contributions to the group tax-deductible. There may be alternative options, however, according to Associate Director Bethany Glinsman. So we are not a nonprofit right now. We're just a ragtag group of kids. So we have talked. We have talked more seriously about a year ago. We were more seriously thinking about becoming a 501c3. So that's one option. Dan, at one time you had suggested, maybe not suggested, but thrown the idea out there that we could hitch our wagon to another group that's more well established within the state or within Southeast Iowa. I think there could be a couple options for that. And there's other. I'm sure there's other paths we could take as well. Group member Roger Farmer said the status would be too much trouble. He didn't expect it to impact the motives of donors. Establishing a 501c3, um, in my opinion, is at this point, I'm not sure it's worth the effort. I'm not, not saying it's a bad thing, uh, but what is it? What is it by bias besides deductibility and their contributions? You know? you know, and I don't think most people make a contribution to Washington for Justice because it's tax deductible, or don't because it's not. Group member Mary Hayes agreed. The paperwork we would have to submit would be tough, especially when we've had volunteers and, you know, who was doing it four years ago, who was doing it two mm -hmm. years ago, who's doing it this year. Um, if we think that's the way we want to go, we need to, you know, keep really good records yes. because then, you know, we have to go back, um, as I understand it, and I'm still trying to figure out some of this, but uh, we have to go back and get five years worth of, you know, 
all kinds of statements. The political activity of 501c3 groups is heavily regulated by the IRS. Group member and frequent spokesperson Dan Henderson said the organization's agenda against racism was a nonpartisan ideal. I think it's, it's, it's important going back to the mission statement to, to still maintain and, and promote that we're nonpartisan. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, not just a bunch of Democrats. No. Anybody can give out food. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, it isn't a political right. and party. And everyone can celebrate. And everybody can yes. celebrate Juneteenth. Yes. It's not a political yes. thing. That's the local news. Stay tuned for the best news I've heard all week, right after the break. This week's show is brought to you by Cafe Dodici. Stop by and enjoy a stylish dining room decorated with art from around the world, or have a meal on the European-style patio. Dodici's serves lunch and dinner Wednesday through Saturday, or you can come in for Sunday brunch. Dodici's offers new specials every week. The value meal features a three-part lunch special for just $12.12, and the blue plate is a three-course dinner special for just $21.12. You can double up your savings on Thursday nights with half-off bottles of wine. Treat your senses to a gourmet meal, complete with craft cocktails, fine wines, and richly decorated ambiance, all with a view of Washington's beautiful downtown. You don't need a plane ticket to savor Italian food and award-winning cuisine. And now, the best news I've heard all week. A Washington County family has been selected for the Iowa Governor's Charity Steer Show. All proceeds from the State Fair event on August 13 go to the Ronald McDonald House. Washington County 4-H'er Kinley Holmes will show off the calf, picked to represent the Iowa Bankers Association. She said she was looking forward to it. Um, I'm excited to go there. It's a completely different show for me. I'm really excited to help raise money for all these little kids that don't have what all these other kids have. It's exciting to be a part of something that will help many people. Iowa Bankers Association spokesperson Don Foley said he handpicked the family for the show. I pick not only the steer, but I also go a little bit by what the family is like. And uh, uh, once I called and got in touch with them and asked about coming over and seeing the steer, I found out, you know, a, a very nice young farm agricultural family. I think they have three other uh, little girls besides uh, the young lady that's going to be showing the steer. And uh, just a great group of people, and I had a good experience uh, going over and looking at it and made the decision to uh, ask them if they would uh, consider working with the Iowa Bankers Association. Those interested in supporting the cause can contact Hales Bank about making a tax-deductible contribution to the Friends of Kinley Holmes' steer account. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is property of the Southeast Iowa Union, which is owned by the Gazette. Call 319-653-2191 to schedule an ad read or support the show for free by sharing it with someone. There's a lot of big stories in this week's episode, so it's a great time to spread the word. That's all for now. This has been the Washington Weekly Review. I have been Kalen McCain. Have a great week.